Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Cofield and Company live from our usual Friday spot. That is Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar here at TI. Awesome place to be for all the action coming up here in about 30 minutes. We get Nick's Heat. It's going to get tipped off at about, uh, we'll call it 28 from now. Although the uh, ESPN's got this weird thing of saying a time and then like having the game tip off like 15 minutes later. So it's probably going to be Everybody does that. Not everybody. Not all the sports. The NBA is pretty bad at it. I mean, I don't know. I haven't watched a ton of hockey this season. And you're usually at the events, but yeah. is it with is it the same thing with hockey? It's pretty bad, and, and like literally, we are counting minutes because of deadline. Yeah, of course. Um, and so, yeah, it's never it's never right on time. And there's something I, I was I was having this conversation with a TV executive. Not that it's you know that important. Ooh, TV but, executive. Uh, they basically they start it late so they can carry it over into another hour. So like their goal is to push it past every half hour mark they possibly can, and I think every 15 minute mark too, um, so that they can. Because then they can have the ratings for each hour go up. So it's like, all right, if you can make this game last all the way until, say, it starts at you know Eternity. four, if you can push it over until after seven p.m., it's better than ending at six fifty-seven. Mm. So then you're like, all right, if we start at four sixteen, then it's a better chance of going past seven. It's a whole thing. It's it's wild, but way beyond my understanding or recognition. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four Number Four So I'm sure TV executives are like let's start this XFL championship game at like, you know the 27 minute mark of the hour, huh? Get as many people as we can, let's wrap up all these hours Sounds perfect XFL championship game coming up this weekend You asked me a single question You in? My response, had no idea that it was happening this weekend. Well, that's that's the point. Are you in now? No. Why? I just, so this is me, I guess this is kind of an elitist view on this. Football itself, like the sport of football, is a great sport. Stop acting like you're so desperate for it that you're going to watch terrible football to, like, scratch the itch. Like, I can't do it. I can oh. I can live a couple of months without football. I can't. Yes, you can. So How much, much of this have you actually watched? I've covered the season, John. Outside of what your job is. You're not running home to catch the Seattle Sea Dragons game. See, you, that, know, you know the names of the teams. I actually, that was a total guess. That was really it. Yeah, cool. Seattle Sea Dragons. Starring Josh Gordon, who had a big season, by the way. Okay. Uh, I'll take your word for it. Look, I, I think I actually, to make the case, yes, I understand. Like, it's hard it's hard enough for people to follow every NFL team and know who's on every every. Adam, the every other game. day, I'm sitting in the VEASAN studio, and there's a football game on. I go, oh, XFL's happening. No, so USFL. Huh? Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. And they're like, no, it's the USFL. I'm like, what? Come on. It's it's even more complicated because there's like four arena leagues. Yes. <laughs> arena leagues. There's like the on. AFL, the indoor football league, yeah. the second indoor football league. Do we still have fan-controlled football? Oh, that's yeah. I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. Um, I mean, there is a cool storyline, I guess. For <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, you know, Vegas traded their quarterback midseason because they were terrible, and now he has led <laughs> he has led the Renegades to the final. Luis Perez. Nice. That's interesting. That's DC. A good story. DC to me has been the best team uh, all year, and they are favorite in this game. Six point favorite. 
Uh, Jordan Te'amu, the star, for sure. I don't know. It's, I, the case that I would make is that I think that they had some really cool innovations in the league. I think some of the rules are great, and I would say their replay system is so far superior to what the NFL is doing that it's almost worth watching to say, like, do I want this to come to the NFL? Um, same with, you know, some of the – not necessarily the conversions. I think that's pretty wild. I don't think the NFL will do that. But, um, you know, going for a fourth and 15 instead of onside kicking in the fourth quarter, that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. But the, the replay system, to me, is the best innovation that they have had. And I really hope that the NFL adopts it at some point. I just don't think they will because it's so transparent um, that I don't think the NFL wants to do it. But that, that, to me, is a reason to watch, to see some of the cool things that they've come up with, much more than, hey, it's it's – Football games between guys that just barely can't make the NFL rosters, which they're very good players and it's good football, but I don't think that's going to draw people in. Number three. So we spent time yesterday talking about technicalities and exploiting rules. Adam, I need you to pay attention to this. I want you to hear this. This is from Jeopardy the other day. Okay. Side note, uh, next Friday morning, as long as the, if the Golden Knights don't have a game, I'm flying to L.A. to to go to the studio audience of Jeopardy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You got to practice your golf clap. It's good. I'm going to scream answers out of people for sure. You should do it so consistently that they're like, get that guy on the show. (laughs) Yes, that's my plan. So, okay, since you're going to be in, this is, I watched this video, I think like 20 times. I, I am amazed. Listen to what happens here as all three contestants you're going to hear attempt to answer a question on Jeopardy. And all three get it wrong, but for the most, I just, here, play it, Ari. An author and former prisoner, socialism of any type and shade leads to a total destruction of the human spirit. Javeria. Who is Solitznitsyn? No. Sammy. Who is Solitznitsyn? No. Who is Solitznitsyn? Hannah. Who is Solitznitsyn? No, this is a tricky one to pronounce. Looking for Solzhenitsyn. <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> because they didn't give the sh, right? The sh, Solzhenitsyn. Blossom is vicious, man. So is that to the discretion <laughs> of the host? No, there's judges off to the side. I'll I'll give you a little bit more insight when I'm, okay. when I'm there and I can see it. Uh, you didn't you just glossed right over the Blossom reference? It's Blossom. I don't I, yeah, I didn't. Blossom was a sitcom starring Maya Bialik, and she's I, now the host of the show. Got nothing. Uh... Six was the uh, the real star of that show, by the way, Jenna Von Oy. Uh But yeah, no, uh, this this it doesn't happen that much, but it, you do see it happen. And I believe, like I said, I'll tell you exactly kind of the setup next next week. But uh, I believe there's a panel of judges sitting off to the side that kind of give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You and think so all of them just like you can see me in the screen? Do you think all of them just went like this? Yes. Eh, yes. Eh, just like wiggle the hand. Like, like it's eh, up to you. Try try <laughs> eh, try again. I I I think I would have snapped my little buzzer in half. If that was like what got it wrong, well, I mean, I'll, I'll I mean, I'll make yes, of course, this is it's infuriating <laughs> for sure. Uh, you know, obviously, a big big moment for me every week is trivia night, and there is always the because you you know a, a rival team scores your paper, so there's always the the you know the battle of does this count or not, um, you know, and you're like ah, two letters are off, I don't know, but you also have to be like well. Just in case we're close on one later, mm. like do you do you give it to him or not? But in this case, I, I felt like it. I I don't see that much difference between how any right. of the four people said. It. Correct. That's that's the thing. If, if it, it was, was like egregious, I'd get it. If it was like Solzhenitsyn, but every one of them pronounced it like Nitchen, 
Like, like okay, that's pretty hard. Like, that's a really big distinction, right? Sure. But because they didn't have the sh- like the, 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 the proper sh- at the beginning, <laughs> and you're going to mark them wrong? And she she didn't even do it. She struggled through the proper yeah. pronunciation. Yeah. She Who's she to judge? Who's it Blossom to judge if they got it right or not? I'm also going to open a can of worms here. Oh, no. I, I'm going to finally declare this because I'm tired of seeing it. Pick a different bar. I'm about to get a crew. We did. And I'm going to come Hold unseat on. you fools. Hold on. Because all you do is keep picking on the little kids at the park. Uh, This was a different bar, by the, by the way. Don't believe you. It was. Uh, we've I done. Uh, it's two. There's. They have one at, uh, one at one bar, one at the other bar. One's Tuesday, one, one's Wednesday. So we've kind of gone to both of those. Uh, kind of rotating back and forth. But this week was a different bar. So to answer that, sure. I, I do think one is harder. We try to go to the harder one. Uh, the one with better competition, but like the Golden Knights played on Wednesday, so we had to go to the Tuesday. So we we're at a different bar. I'm getting a crew together. Please do. We want bring it, bring I'm, it. We I'm getting want a crew it. together, and we're gonna take you down. I don't think you are. Actually, this week, uh, to to be completely honest, this week we crushed it. We crushed it. It was our it was our best week by far. Um, you, I will say, we only got two wrong out of the 50 questions or whatever it was. One of them, I think you would have got. Because it was a picture of uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and you and they pointed to one of them and said, "Who is this?" And we didn't know which was which. Oh dang! Which is actually kind of tough. Yeah, that is. Now that I think about yeah. it. Yeah, and we got I, it. We guessed wrong. We got. I feel like I would know it. They didn't say this is Trey Parker and Matt Stone. They showed a picture of them like in an awards and said, yeah. "Who's this person?" And we're like, "It's either Trey or Matt." Ah, I don't know which one is which. Yeah. So we got that one wrong. And then the other one we missed was, uh, which decade did Batman make his first appearance in the comic books? Ooh. What would your guess be? Say 50 or 60. So we guessed 40s. The answer was 1939. So it was the Get 30s. out of here. Really? Bar- is that we, early, yeah, huh? Yeah, we barely missed it. So that was the only two we missed in the whole thing. Okay. All yeah. right. I'm taking you down. Yeah. I got to kid you. Please do. Together. Ari, don't look too excited. You're not part of it. Ari was way off, too. He said 1954. <laughs> Number two. So I got through, I would say, 17-ish videos. Team, team schedule releases yesterday? How many did you get through? You got all of them, right? Well, I think it's 31, because I, I, I think there was one team that didn't do one. And I can't really? remember who it was. Yeah, I, there was one team that didn't – there was not one that was uh, – because uh, credit to – and I, I'm, blow, I'm forgetting it now, but somebody put together a thread on Twitter of all 32. Yes. 32 teams. And one of me said, I have not been able to find a video for them. So I don't that think would be uh, Zach Cohen, by the way, yeah. at Zach Cohen FB, if you want to go check it out. Z A C H C O H E N. And then a couple teams did two. That was pretty weird. Um, but yeah, there was. I got through all of them. There the worst ones, ones were clearly like. I thought the Cardinals were the worst one that I watched. So I kind of, I didn't hate what the Cardinals did. I mean, they put no effort into it. So, for those who didn't see it, it's it's it is, who is it? It's it's, t- it's Kyler Murray it's t- playing catch with uh, with Hollywood Hollywood Brown, I believe. But it's twenty five seconds, and it's basic. What they're basically doing is, hey, get excited for the season. Kyler is throwing again, right? So it's him throwing, and then he fires one at the cameraman who knocks him down, and knocks him down, comes over, checks on him, and then they show the schedule. It's twenty five seconds, by far the shortest one. Mm-hmm. But I actually was like, oh, they're kind of trying to break news of like Kyler's getting ready. Like that's a that's hey the season's coming and be excited because our quarterback's gonna be there. That's that's a decent try even though it didn't you know really register. Yeah, because he had a really sh- serious shoulder injury. Knee. Oh his yeah, head. right. So maybe standing there and throwing doesn't really mean anything for well, a knee. Something. Injury. It's getting him excited. <laughs> By the way, I knew it was a, that was. I know. I get it. Do you want to do you want to run around out there? Yes, if you're really trying to sell that. 
Well, they're trying to sell, like, hey, there's, you know, he's throwing. It's good. It's a Ari, process. Progress. I'm not blind. <laughs> he didn't know if you were looking at the screen, to be fair. He wasn't looking. I pointed to you. Go to number one. <laughs> All right, since we're doing this, am I not firing this? No, because we don't have enough time. So go to number one. We'll play it later. There you go. Number one. We'll get back to the scheduling. Don't worry. We have plenty of material on the schedule. Yeah, we got plenty of stuff. And oh, I mean, man. man, why don't you let me drive the ship if it's my job? I'll, also, while we're on it, I will uh, I will plug the fact that I, I I did a very deep dive into the Raiders panels. Okay. There are so many hidden gems. I actually wrote a story. Uh, I read like, your story. At like 3 in the morning, I was like, let me deep dive into this. <laughs> and I wrote a story at 3 in the morning. I read your breakdown of the Chargers uh, Chargers video as well. Pretty good. Pretty oh, good. very good. Yeah. Very good. Best video out there. Yeah. We're going to get to some of the what people are calling the best video out there which was the Tennessee Titans. I would quibble with that, but also, as we know, I am like 100% the target demographic for what the Chargers did. Sure. So the Suns get eliminated in glorious fashion last night. Are you really that surprised, really quickly, just given the fact they shipped off everything? How it happened. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th I thought they'd be competitive. Like, I, I didn't think it would be this bad. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, I thought they would probably at least force the Game 7 – um, and the fact that they weren't even close. Like, am I surprised they're not going to win a title? No. But I'm kind of surprised that what they never even had a chance yesterday. Yeah. Well, let's ask somebody who's got a pretty good eye for this. Ryan Hollins, former NBA player, Houston Rockets analyst, is going to join us next. We'll get his thoughts on what exactly happened with the Phoenix Suns and how they build going forward because I think it was a team that obviously has a pretty high ceiling but was just one transaction cycle away from being complete. Yeah, not exactly a high-leverage spot in that fourth quarter last night uh, for the Denver Nuggets. Hmm. You don't really need to have a lot of energy uh, when you're talking <laughs> about a game that went the way that it did for Denver. Uh, Nuggets are on to the Western Conference Finals. Phoenix Suns are home. Let's talk about that and much more. Ryan Hollins, nice enough to give us some time here today. Former NBA pro, you can hear his voice on those Houston Rockets broadcasts as well. Ryan, we appreciate the time. So I'll, I'll pose the question to you that I just posed to my co-host Adam Hill, which is uh, are you surprised that the Phoenix Suns are at home and not even in the conference finals, which many thought was going to be at the very least their floor in this postseason. No, their in their injuries really overtook their season. Um, no, no. Uh, Kevin Durant was in and out. Booker was in and out during the year. They didn't have many games, even with KD playing. Once he got there, Chris Paul goes out uh, essentially for the remainder of the season, and then DeAndre Aiden's missing. I, I mean, this would have been. This would have been a, a historical game for for Kevin Durant, but it, it, it was just it was too much. There was when they made that trade, their depth went out the window, and there was no backup. But I do understand the Suns making a move for Kevin Durant. All twenty nine other teams in the NBA would have leveraged their future or whatever they had to go out and get Kevin Durant. So um, you, you don't fault them. They, they went after it, and they just did not have enough. There was not enough chemistry. There was no backup plan essentially without a CP, and you have to understand that. Um, but there's no surprise, and I think you got to respect Denver. I've watched them all year long, man. They're as solid a team as it comes. So no surprise to you, but, I mean, do we look back? And I know you said, look, anybody would have done this. You make a move and you try to build yourself and win a title, but with knowing the results, and I hate results-based thinking, but knowing the results, was it a mistake to do that? Of course you look back and say it's a mistake. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, when you know the results, then I should stay where I was. <laughs> like, of course you're going to look back and, and, and say that, but – I mean, hindsight is always uh, twenty twenty. Now, maybe there's something shaking for the future. Uh, maybe there's talks. I, I, don't, I don't know what uh, Kevin Durant has in store. I'm sure that he didn't just go into this situation blindly. 
um, asking for a trade uh, out of Brooklyn. So you'd assume that he'll be back here retool. He, he's going to have to figure things out. And, you know, I, I didn't think he was 100% healthy all the way down the stretch. So I think that's a big focus going into the year uh, or into the offseason for, for KD. And he, he's got to find a way to, you know, really retool. But, you know, looking at a guy like Devin Booker, uh, looking at Aiden, looking at, you know, what they have there, uh, there's going to be some moves to be made in all offseason uh, for, for the Suns. And Kevin Durant's got some things that he'll figure out. But trust me, those are good problems to have, saying, well, we got Kevin Durant. we got to build around him. The, the hard part is going out and getting the megastar, or two megastars, or three megastars, essentially, and that's what the Suns have. Do we need to start talking about Devin Booker in a different light after what he did in this postseason? I feel like he's a guy who is not disrespected, but is not viewed as a playoff performer, a top-tier player. But given this stretch that we just watched him, and he was also very good in the Clippers series, does he deserve more respect as being viewed as a top 20, top, I don't know, 15 player in the league? I, I, I think those who really watch and see the game, they know what Devin Booker brings to the table. I think it's it's kind of like, hey, you, you know, you made it to the finals one time, show us it's not a fluke. But he's one of those guys that can score in, in absolute bunches. That's why I said the people who watch the game, they, they, they know it. But, you know, unfortunately, Jokic, you can throw in that conversation too. Until you win a championship, they're not going to view you in that same uh, respect. They're not going to see you as one of the, the big dogs. And unfortunately, for those megastars, it's not just them. It's team sport. You know, you need teammates. You need culture. And you got to be a little bit fortunate, man. It's all timing. So look at the Suns. If they're healthy, they had chemistry and they're rolling, uh, they are probably beating the socks off of the Nuggets. And I'll repeat that. If they, are, they have chemistry, chemistry, they're healthy and they're rolling, they're going to beat the socks off the Nuggets. But this was not their year. So um, it, it, it's always that story in sports. You know, we always talk about the champions, but there's somebody who ended up falling short or, or had the short end of the stick. What we're going to see later tonight, Adam, our co- my co-host here, is a, uh, a massive Golden State Warriors fan, uh, but very disheartened by the fact that Andrew Wiggins has this fractured rib cartilage and sounds like he's going to try to give it a go. What do you expect from Wiggins uh, in this game here today, the LeBron defender, a guy who's a good shooter for a team that likes to shoot a lot? Uh, how much do you think this holds, holds him back, if at all? Do you have any experience with an injury like that or talk to somebody who's had experience with it? Man, a series weighs on this. They might not be. They ain't no tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> and he's the primary, for those who don't know why he's so important, he's the reason, the, the big reason why they want to champ. Jason Tatum, we just saw what Jason Tatum was about, right, in that last game. He shut Jason Tatum out, essentially. When no fourth quarter Jason Tatum with Andrew Wiggins on him, LeBron James is, is having to get off the basketball. This was the Lonnie Walker show in their last win. Because Andrew Wiggins is like that defensively, so... Um, he brings, he's worth his weight in gold with his value to the ball club. So if he can't go or he's hobbled, you have to heavily lean towards the Lakers. And if AD is kind of, you know, he's back and he's able to shake off whatever happened, hopefully, you know, pairs up, he, he's okay. you got to lean towards the Lakers because he's that important and you don't want LeBron James going, walking around untouched and unscathed. And, you know, Gary Payton II can guard him, he can get up under him, but he's not, he's not big enough. You know, Wiggins is big enough and strong enough to guard him. You, I mean, obviously the the Warriors have their backs against the wall. If they don't win, the series is over. But if the Lakers lose tonight, are they done? Can they go win a game seven if they have to? Say that again. I'm sorry. So we we know the Warriors are up against it tonight. If they lose, they're out, obviously. Uh, but if the Lakers lose, if they have to play a game seven, can they win in Golden State in game seven? No. I was <laughs> in the same situation uh, with the Celtics. We were up 3-2, and we had to win one game at the house. 
and we couldn't win that game. But you know what we knew? We knew that if we had to go back to Miami, we weren't going to win that game. The Lakers and LeBron know that the tables turn, and it's LeBron who knocked us out. Um, if they have to go up to Golden State, they ain't winning that game. I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be extremely surprised. I can't see into the future, but we knew with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and all guys, we knew we had to close it out at home. And when LeBron went and had that mega performance that we will never forget, and I still see in my nightmares, um, we knew that essentially we weren't going to get it done on, on the road up there. And this is a very role-player-based series. I say that in a sense because role-players play better at home. And, you know, LeBron, I think he still has it in him. We just hadn't seen that, give me the ball, I'm taking over, you know, from LeBron. So, um, ultimately, they've got to get it done tonight, man. The series really weighs here tonight. Now, maybe there's a curveball that I don't see of injury or something else unforeseen, but if nothing else happens, uh, that, that, yeah, this is going to be the game. Ryan Hollins with us, former NBA player, and of course you can hear him on Houston Rockets broadcast throughout the regular season. So let, let's talk uh, about the Boston Celtics really quickly and Joe Missoula. So by all accounts, the Celtics players kind of pushed Missoula in the direction to put Robert Williams back into the starting lineup. And for those who don't know, Robert Williams was in the starting lineup last year, a big factor as to why they were one of the best defensive teams in the NBA a season ago. So two-part question, what does this do in your mind for Boston in terms of making them or solidifying them as maybe a title favorite? And also, is it troubling that Missoula had to be pushed in this direction by his players? Man, I, I think you got to respect what Joe Missoula brings to the table. Yeah. Let him coach. Win, lose, or draw, he, he, he's going to get extensions and be praised, or he's going to be fired. So he got to stand on his own two feet. So I think people have to step back and let Joe Missoula be the best Joe Missoula that he can be. His team is in a chance to advance and move on. Obviously, as a first-year head coach or as any coach, they're going to see him as a problem. They're going to say, man, we, we had enough. We gave you an extension. Go get the job done. Unfortunately, head coach or, or coaching in basketball is just it, it's a position that doesn't get um, – it's not, never going to get the respect it deserves because it's a player's league. Um, so that's kind of what Missoula is up against. And he, he has his team with an opportunity to go out and win. And at the end of the day, players make, make plays. So – um, he's going to have to figure things out, and there's a lot of good players, whether it's Grant Williams who's out or Robert Williams who's out the lineup. He's going to have to figure things out and, and see what he can do best to uh, give his team a chance to win. So same question. Can Philly go on the road and get a Game 7 victory after blowing that thing at home? Here's the truth, man. Philadelphia would surprise me. And it's not that they hadn't won this series or not that they hadn't won on the road without Embiid. But you've never seen this Philadelphia team with them beating hard in this situation. They got to go out and prove it to the world that they they are that team now. We've seen Boston in these situations. They have the experience. We're going to lean towards Boston. I'm not saying they can't do it, but if we're going to say a favorite, I think Boston is a favorite. They've been here before, man, and it is tough to go into the into the Garden and get a win and get a big victory. Oh man. All right, Ryan, before we get you out of here, Ime Udoka, new head coach in Houston. How are you feeling about this? What's the future for the Rockets looking like, you think? Yeah, we're, we're ecstatic uh, in Houston. I think the organization has stepped up and, and just so, hey, man, we're serious about winning. It, 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 it's time here and uh, happy for Ime Udoka, and we know the success that he had. No one questions how certified he is as a head coach. And, you know, it, it's time for our young players to take that next step, man. So uh, I think we're ecstatic here. And we saw the success that he had with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And hopefully it's going to be a different journey here in, in Houston. But he's up for it. And, you know, like I said, just ecstatic that the organization has given him a chance, man. But it, it, that was a big move. And I think it shot 
sent waves around the league, honestly. He was, he was highly sought after. Ryan Hollins, again, you can hear him on those Houston Rockets broadcasts. Ryan, we appreciate the time today. Thanks a lot, man. Anytime, guys. Keep it up, man. Yep, appreciate it. It's pretty good out there in Houston. I know nobody wants to talk about the Houston Rockets, just given the fact that they're you know out in Houston and young, but it's a good and upcoming uh, franchise, you would think, with young players. I'll ask you, Adam, as we look at this landscape and as we get closer, you nervous? Your Warriors, Andrew Wiggins, lines moving in the Lakers' favor. It's up to three and a half now. Yeah, uh, I'm. You know, I'm, I, I like that he agreed with me that, you know, if the Lakers lose tonight, Warriors win the series, which I, I've kind of felt all along. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really one game series. So go out, go out there and find a way tonight. Wiggins, the Wiggins injury is terrifying. Uh, obviously, if he if he is able to play, how effective will he be? Uh, how much will he be able to bother? Uh, you know, especially LeBron defensively. It's tough. It's it's going to be tough if he's not able to go at 100% or if he's limited, but um, it's Steph, it's Clay, it's Dre. It will be all right. Steve Rout's going to be with us in about 10, 15 minutes. When we come back, I have a sports betting question for Adam Hill that I'd like his insight on. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Yeah, hopefully you can use some of the winners here at TI's, the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Two sports betting questions for you, Adam Hill. I thought there was just one. I was prepared for one question. Well, they kind of like they kind of I think relate to one another. Okay. So we'll go I'll with the it. one that is that is tied into what we were talking about. So the market's been slowly moving in the direction of the Los Angeles Lakers. This thing opened up two in some spots. We're up to three and a half. Uh, I am in on the line move. I didn't move the line, but I did lay two and a half with the Los Angeles Lakers. So my thinking is, my logic was, games three and four in LA closed three and a half. That three in some spots, three and a half consensus, we'll call right? Why would you downgrade the Lakers when Anthony Davis is probable, not in concussion protocol, and the injury of note is actually to the ribs of the LeBron defender and most consistent shooter of the series, Andrew Wiggins? Um, I mean, as much as it's, it's kind of silly, I think there is a back-against-the-wall aspect. I mean, I know they kind of were – Anyway, but they they weren't. I mean, it wasn't lose and go home in those situations. So I think that that's part of what is is being you know built into it a little bit. So you think the desperation of the Warriors is what led to an opener of two as opposed to the three and a half that we saw in games three and four? I think so. I mean, they always talk about you know the so called heart of a champion thing or whatever, which is silly. But so yeah. that actually leads to my original question. Then okay. see, that's why I said they were related. Okay. What point as a better are you willingly buying into a number that you're not getting what you should because of a situation? It's like this would be that, correct? If if you are somebody who thought the Warriors, because they are desperate, were gonna come into a situation and perform better, you're willing to take two, even though it's not three and you know, it's three and a half now, but I'm just saying when it opened, you're willing to look at two and be like, That number's correct because the Warriors are desperate. Yeah, I mean, it, it, for this specific example, it's it's a little bit more difficult because I've, I've kind of liked the Warriors in every game. I just don't believe in the Lakers, and obviously yeah. I'm biased because I'm a super fan uh, of the Dubs. The superest. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit different in this situation, but there are spots. Um, you know, we've we've talked about it's the ultimate betting example. Um, and, you know, one of your colleagues, Mitch Moss, and I are, uh, are old friends, and I remember 
like one of our favorite situations ever was the first uh, the first Saints game back in New Orleans after they had had to leave for a season for Katrina and they were coming yeah. back. And we were like, we will lay 100 points in this game. <laughs> like it, it, it was impossible to find a, you know, to find a number, an adjustment big enough to keep us off the game. And I, if I remember correctly, they just blew, blew somebody off the field uh, in that spot. So, like, situations that are just highly charged and emotional are ones that I am sometimes willing to buy into. But that's kind of unique, though, right? That's not just, hey, this team might get eliminated. Those are two completely different right, emotionally that's, but I'm charged saying, You're spots. saying what spots would you be willing to buy for yeah. a, you know, a situation? Like, those are the kind of spots. Like the, the First Bills post-Demar Hamlin game? Sure. <laughs> and the, and, but I think some of them, while you're, while you're talking about it, while you're like, man, I, I love this situation. It's great. I'm gonna, I'll pay a premium for this situation because I love it. Like, just as often, you can point to situations where you thought that was going to be the case, and all the emotion was poured into like a pregame festivities or you know something, you know, a ceremony that takes place, and then you say, ah, "I should have known that they were going to have an adrenaline dump. I should have gone against them." So, I, I don't think there's that many situations that are like guaranteed. Like you're going to get in this. Like this is a, a spot to buy. You're going to get the the better end, the better end of this. I just don't think those situations necessarily exist. So I think you just have to handicap the way you're going to handicap, and usually a situation like that is going to be built into the line somehow, and you have to decide if it's enough for you on an individual basis. But there's not many situations where you can say, hey, this is the case here. You have to you know, pay a, a half or a point or even a point and a half premium. Are you willing to do it? Usually it's no because I just right. I think it's very hard to handicap those kind of things. Yeah, I agree. I just I think when I see stuff like – like this, where there's a clear difference in the point spread where the only difference is actually to the other side with an injury and you're still shading it in one direction. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know if that really uh, – the other, by the way, the other good in-game example is when LeBron broke the record and they, like, stopped the entire game. Yeah. Oh, in-game. <laughs> the, the entire yes. way on OKC yes. in that of game course. was crazy. All right, we'll come back. Stanford Route is going to join us on the other side. We have a lot left to get to, including the new minority owner, Tom Brady, for the Las Vegas Raiders. Live from Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, it is co-filling the company. John Von Tobel, Adam Hill filling in for Steve out on vacation this week. Stanford, it's always good to talk to you. You hear Adam Schefter coming in on the way back. So Tom Brady looks like this is happening and talks to become a limited Raiders partner. So I, Adam and I were talking about this in the first hour. A big picture, not a very big decision maker. He's not going to be part of the decision making process. But what does this mean for Josh McDaniels now having a, a homie like Tom Brady uh, amongst the brass now for the Las Vegas Raiders? Oh, man, I, it really is uh, New England Patriots West uh, if all of this goes through. And I think that uh, that was pretty much, in my opinion, the driving force behind all of this was Josh McDaniels being the head coach and having that New England regime come to Sin City. So it's going to be very interesting to see with Tom Brady being a part of the ownership brass with the Las Vegas Raiders and exactly the, the type of tutelage and the knowledge, the inspiration that he can bring uh, to this organization. How, I mean, is there any personal feelings about it? I, I know I heard from a lot of Raiders fans Hello? today that were that were angry. Uh, you know, the, a lot of a lot of Raiders fans that I talked to today were just angry. Like we hate Tom Brady. We don't want him around. He's not one of us. But he is a pretty big figure. I think he brings some some very uh, very solid credentials and and some real cachet to the ownership group. Like, is there personal feelings on that? Oh, obviously. Come on now. We all remember the tuck rule. We all remember that uh, that game 20 some odd years ago. And I think there's a lot of people that still feel away. And then obviously when you look at how the New England Patriots over the years were 
were were were were caught cheating in certain aspects and deflate gate and uh and uh not bounty gate but the one with the with uh videotaping the yeah. signals yep. and things like that Spy so there, the excess spy gate yeah so there's always going to be a little bit of that animosity for anybody who's not a new england patriots fan a lot of people dislike the patriots for those types of situations and then them still being able to win for some odd two full decades the dynasty that they had so yeah there's definitely going to be a little bit of bad blood there but to me i think that when you got somebody like tom brady a part of the fold he won't do anything but bring some level of success bring some level of intelligence some level of just the mental aptitude that can help you be successful so i can't do anything but be all for it all right, so when you're looking at, like, if you're trying to keep a level head, when you're evaluating things outside of the Las Vegas Raiders, can you look at a team like the Los Angeles Chargers and objectively say that their schedule release video was the best one yesterday? Uh, fellas, I'm not even going to lie to you. I, no. I did not see the Los Angeles Chargers uh, release <laughs> video. I saw the one with the Titans. That was um, but I did not see the one with the Los Angeles Chargers. But I can tell you from a player's perspective, Obviously, the schedule release is more for fans than anybody. From a player's perspective, guys, if right now as a Las Vegas Raider, I got to play Pat Mahomes twice. I got to play Justin <laughs> Herbert twice. I got to play uh, Russell Wilson and Sean Payton twice. Regardless of how it's configured, how the schedule is, things like that, I got to play all of those guys twice, period. <laughs> so from a player standpoint, that's all they care about is the opponents on the schedule and they don't really care about how it's ordered. Uh, I agree with you, but I, and I'm gonna even though you know I get where you're coming from on this. I will follow up because it is a new era. Like we we have reached a new era where social media matters to people. And there were players yesterday that were expressing kind of not anger but frustration at their own social media teams for not being good enough, for not having you know these elaborate you know over the top things. Like this is. This is a very weird thing to me that players do care because I know what you said. Hey, you just care who you're playing. Some players care, and it seems weird. Like, is it is their focus just <laughs> is their focus off? Uh, listen, it's a new time, it's a new generation, <laughs> and I'm willing to bet a lot of those players that have that issue is probably or probably from the younger generation. Yes. You know, the Generation X, I believe it's called. But they're probably <laughs> under the age of 26, 27 years old. Where, yeah. They like the social media connection. They like being able to connect with the fans. They like everything being a spectacle. They like everything being an event. But when you look at guys like an Aaron Rodgers, when you look at guys like a Russell Wilson, you look at older players. I know J.J. Watt just retired. But when you look at players from the old generation or the older generation, they know that, hey, man, listen, <laughs> it don't really matter about the order that I got to play these guys. Point is, I got to play them. So whether it's week one or whether it's week 18, whether it's the first week of September or the first week in January when now the season ends, it doesn't matter. I still got to line up against that guy, and I have to be successful for us to win this game. I will, I will just follow up one more about schedule because uh, it did come out and people were fired up. The do the play Because I know what we looked at is, look, we know the opponents, as you said. We know you're playing Mahomes twice, Herbert twice. You know the divisional guys. You even know all the outside division uh, teams that you're going to play. You know everyone that's on that schedule. But as a player, do you glance at least to say, all right, look, Buffalo's in September. We're not going there in December. Chicago's not, you know, it's in October. We're not going in January or December. Like, those are good things maybe that you can see on the schedule. And there's not, 
an overwhelming amount of travel. You have Chicago and Detroit back to back, but are those things you would look at as a player? Well, yeah. Now you definitely you definitely pay attention to the cold weather cities <laughs> that you potentially would be having to go to in November, December, January. There's no doubt about that. So I know I got Pat Mahomes twice. I know I have Russell Wilson twice. But if I can get them at their stadium in September, October versus November, December, January, absolutely. As a player, <laughs> you want to pay attention to the cold weather climates that you have to go to. And when we look at the Miami Dolphins, that game is going to be, I believe, a week before Thanksgiving in Miami. Oh, yeah. Look for the Raiders to probably struggle a little bit early because it's going to be humid down there. It's going to be about 85 degrees. And when you are not in the south, when you are in the west coast, when you're in Oakland, California, the Bay Area, and even in Sin City, that's not going to be the weather that a lot of people are going to be having in late November. So that's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for the Raiders to have to deal with, much like it is playing at Mile High Stadium, playing at that altitude, things like that. So when it comes to the weather aspect of it, yes, as a player, you definitely want to pay attention to when things are scheduled. But as far as just, oh, my God, you know, we got the marquee matchup in week two <laughs> instead of week 13. Yeah, players don't care about that because either way, I still got to go against it. Well, and, and the last point on the schedule too, Stanford, I made this point yesterday. Like when you look at the Raiders schedule, for example, it, it does stick out to you as a player like, oh, hey, you know, after October 30th, we leave Las Vegas one time until December 14th. That's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, it is. But I can tell you just like this is me as a player. I actually liked away games. Okay. And like, I think I probably had more interceptions on the road than I probably did at home at the Oakland Coliseum. So everybody's a little bit different. Some guys, they like playing at different stadiums. They like the different scenery. They like traveling on Friday, waking up, having the game Sunday morning, then flying back to wherever their hometown is. Everybody's a little different. Some guys, they prefer home over away. Some guys actually feel more comfortable at away games. Uh, over home games. I remember uh, Warren Sapp, a guy that I played with my first three years in the league. I'm pretty sure you guys have heard of him before. <laughs> and one thing I remember with Sapp is that we'd have away games. And one thing he would always kind of do, and I kind of watched from a distance, there would be one person that he would take from out of the stands, or just one person he would kind of focus on. And they would obviously they're 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 rooting for the home team, and you know they're jawing and saying whatever and all these expletive things. And his goal would be to, by the end of the fourth quarter, I'm going to make that guy eat his words. Or by the end of the fourth quarter, I'm going to make that guy shut up and not say anything at all. And you don't have that type of motivation when you're at home because everybody's rooting for you. So there is, a certain, there is a certain affinity to playing away games, walking into somebody else's stadium, and then beating them so bad where now you can hear a pin drop in that stadium. So there's a certain level of affinity. There's a certain level of just of just euphoric feeling that you get from away, uh, from road victories. That is the voice of Stanford Route. Joins us uh, each and every week, break down what's going on with the Raiders and around the NFL, former Raiders great. Of course, follow him up on Twitter at SRoute26 and listen to the Believe in Raiders podcast. Stanford, this is a little bit different. Uh, we were just talking about a little earlier about Anthony Richardson, who was drafted by the Colts. Um, Everything that I've heard about this kid is he is like an almost perfect individual. Just a great dude, great role model, great person, great teammate, everything. And apparently there was a rookie event where the players kind of made a mess and he said, you guys, I'm staying around. I'm going to help the staff clean up. It's not fair that we did this to them. John, my partner here, just wants to make fun of him for being too yeah, good. Too nice. You're trying too hard. Too, too good and too nice. <laughs> did you ever experience a guy that was just like, 
almost too good to be true. And you're like, what is this, man? You gotta, you got, you gotta be normal here. You gotta stop being so good. <laughs> I mean, you know, because of the way this world now is, because of the lack of respect for authority, because of the lack of respect just for your common, your your common uh, fellow human. I definitely can understand the sentiment where you almost feel like somebody's too good to be true. Yeah. You feel like, no, they're too perfect. There's no way that they can naturally be that way. And I've come across a few guys like that in my lifetime. And I actually then realized like, no, he's really just an all around good person. <laughs> <laughs> like I used to think that, man, there's no way he could be that person. There's no way that he doesn't have any skeletons. There's no way he doesn't have any character flaws. And then you realize like, no, Maybe I'm just an effed up person because <laughs> I find it I find it unrealistic that he can be great. So that's something that uh that yes, I've met people that they're actually really good people for Anthony Richardson. Kudos to him. And we can't wait to see exactly how everything unfolds. But hearing that story, man, that's great to hear. Here's no here's the thing though. I'm gonna say that he's kind of a jerk. Because now as a fellow rookie, I'm watching him do this. I'm like, man, now I gotta stick around and do this. Because there's no way that <laughs> I'm it, not gonna not do this. He's making me look terrible. Exactly my point. <laughs> so because we have character flaws within ourselves, when we see somebody who doesn't, we act, look at what you just said. Oh my god, now that he, him doing that, that's gonna make me better. Okay, well, I mean, what's wrong with wanting to be a better human? <laughs> <laughs> so people like that, what they really do is they incite a certain insecurity or they incite a certain character flaw within us that we now have to fix because standing next to them, having your locker right beside them, being their teammate, it now highlights the areas that you're flawed in because now you have that direct example right there beside you. Well, does does that – I mean, I guess as a quarterback it kind of helps, but does that work in a locker room? I mean, there, there's going to be veterans that are like, hey, tone it down, man. Like, what are you doing? It it will work if he winds up being a stud. If he winds up being a good quarterback, or and I, when I say good, I just mean above average. Yeah. If he winds up being somebody that can help the team win, then all of a sudden nobody's going to have any problem with that. Now, if you're out there not playing well, throwing interceptions, uh, uh, making misreads within the, within the <laughs> offense and things like that, then yes, it'll look like, okay, you're trying too hard. But notice this, guys. You look at the Seattle Seahawks when Russell Wilson was there, when they were winning Super Bowls, going to the Super Bowl, Russell Wilson is going to the Pro Bowl. All of a sudden, you can tolerate that squeaky clean image. But now all of a sudden, you're not winning, Denver Broncos. Now people have a problem with it because now you're trying to make me look bad. You're too good. You're too perfect, perfect of a person. So in the end, winning always forgives all sins in the NFL. I like uh, I like the thought of Alec Pierce just like leaning in during a game after he throws the picks. He's like, "Yeah, stop picking up garbage. How about you pick up the playbook instead?" All right. Let me tell you something. That be, be, let me tell you something. That will happen in a locker room. That will happen with a fan where they will tell you, "Hey, man, how about you stop reading your Bible and start reading your playbook?" Yeah, people will actually say that to you. Nice second God reference today. Stanford Ralph, thank you. Appreciate it, man. You guys be good. Talk to you next week. Great yeah, stuff, you got man. it. Longtime Oakland Raiders, Stanford route with us here on Cofield and Company. See? All right. Everybody's coming to my side of things. He's too good to be true. Focus on football, the important things in life. Third hour of Cofield and Company. Uh, do we have an update on what's happening with the Las Vegas A's?